0: Just joining. I'm Ambreen Khan, and this is inspired by Interfaith Voices. This week, we've been talking about immigration with faith based leaders and the growing criticism of President Biden for not abandoning but expanding President Trump's policies of essentially creating a ban on asylum. Now, just a recap. International asylum law was developed in direct response to the genocide the world witnessed during World War II. The United States incorporated these principles into our domestic law through the Refugee Act of 1980, and that guarantees access to asylum to people arriving at the border, again, regardless of the manner or location of entry. So, when you arrive, what exactly happens? That's the question I posed to my guest, Murad Awada. He's the executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition. For listeners who are not lawyers and are not familiar with the asylum process, what did it look like before 2016?
1: You know, that's a great question for folks who um, were seeking asylum in the United States. Um, The way that you are legally allowed to seek asylum is presenting yourself at a port of entry and asking for asylum. After that, you'll be um, interviewed by an immigration official, and then you move forward in the process. Uh, There's a credible fear interview part of this process, as well as submitting a full-fledged application, putting your case in front of a judge,
0: Awada is an advocate for immigration and leads the organization that includes many faith-based groups, including Catholic charities, labor unions, civil rights groups, and community-based NGOs.
1: We're a coalition of organizations with over 200 organizations across the entire state of New York, um, serving immigrants, refugees, asylees, and everyone who makes our wonderful mosaic of a community of community. We do some service coordination to support our communities by bringing services directly to communities um, that don't have them.
0: U.S. law guarantees that after arriving, a migrant has one year to file for asylum. But then the waiting begins.
1: And now because of having a huge immigration backlog, we're seeing that that's taking that could potentially take up to two to five years. Um so asylum seekers, once they enter the United States, have one year to file for asylum um, from their day of entry. And then after they submit their application for asylum, about five to six months after, they're allowed to um, apply for work authorization and then start you know, building their lives here as they wait to go through the um, immigration legal system.
0: Olaudah says this process is especially hard if you don't have a lawyer
1: those who have legal representation have a 10 times more likely chance of actually being able to be successful in their case as opposed to those who do not have a lawyer.
0: Unlike civil and criminal courts, there is no right to counsel. Migrants often rely on a patchwork of pro bono reduced free legal clinics who raise funds from private donors and local and state grants.
1: But It's nowhere near the need to represent everyone.
0: Iwouda's group wants to change that.
1: The New York Immigration Coalition is fighting for a right to representation here in the state of New York for people going through the immigration legal process.
0: That's one of the many policy changes immigration advocates are pushing civic and elected leaders to make.
1: We were seeing folks come from D.C. who were bused there from Texas to New York City back in early spring. Um, And around that same time, we started to receive notices to appear for people we've never met or engaged with.
0: These groups started receiving legal notices from immigration and border patrol offices before they'd even met the client.
1: And then after a few weeks, we realized that it wasn't just happening to us, it was happening to other organizations, and that folks at the border, immigration officials, were just randomly putting organizations' addresses on these notices, which were a clear violation of due process. But that was literally the tip of the iceberg. We're asking for humanitarian parole for the folks who are actually are in the United States um, currently for upwards of two years. That would give them immediate protection as well as almost immediate work authorization here in the United States. But the top priority that we had for the federal administration is for them to to not allow Trump Republicans like Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis from utilizing asylum seekers as political pawns and for the federal administration to actually lead in this moment and to support asylum seekers to help them get to where they want to go and then make sure that there's support in those areas um, for them to build up their new lives there.
0: Owada says his group began advocating for emergency shelter, food and health care.
1: We've received over 42,000 people um, from the southern border over the past, I would say, year. We've had An enormous amount of rapid response work to meet this moment. We urge the city to do emergency expansion of our shelter system. We've done that. We have about 28,000 people being sheltered in the New York City shelter system. We also advocated for navigation centers to be created, which have happened. We also got some funding for emergency legal services and then fighting to ensure that the federal government steps up and provides funding resources to cities and states that are receiving asylum seekers across this country. In December where we saw eight hundred million dollars allocated to cities and states that have received asylum seekers from the southern border. So, you know, we're continuing to fight and continuing to build pressure and ensure that everyone who's made it to New York gets the services and supports that they need so not that, that they can just survive but literally have the opportunity to thrive here.
0: Wowda also points to the work of countless faith groups.
1: The faith-based community has actually been stepping up in recent months to really meet this moment from collecting donations to really moving forward requests that government actually step up and support to opening their doors and allowing people to stay with them in their churches, expanding their food um, programs and their food pantries.
0: He shares one recent example.
1: Huge props to the Muslim community. And um, the mosques across the Bronx and Brooklyn that have been housing African asylum seekers who've had a challenging time at shelters due to uh, cultural incompetence or language access issues, who've actually opened up their doors um, to several thousand African asylum seekers. I think that this has been a, you know, a status quo New Yorker response regardless of what government has done, which has been either nothing or the utmost least thing they can do.
0: Wouter recognizes the challenges that existed long before the new arrivals began seeking asylum and shelter in New York.
1: Our shelter system was already strained prior to last year. January 2022, we had assumed that there were 50,000 people in shelter, but then A groundbreaking report came out saying that there was over 100,000 people between both the city-run facilities as well as the private-run facilities providing people who are currently unhoused with emergency support and shelter. That is an astronomical number. 100,000 people who are in need of housing. So that housing crisis then leads to a shelter crisis.
0: Awada also points to a separate decision by Governor Kathy Hochul lifting the covid 19 era eviction moratorium
1: in january 2022 that eviction moratorium when it got lifted every month we were seeing four to six thousand people evicted from their homes so not only did we have a hundred thousand people already in shelters across the city we had about four to six thousand people entering the shelter system because they were recently evicted the shelter system here in New York is a multi-billion dollar budgetary item, which is why one of our first demands was that the city actually make every move that they can to expand the shelter system as quickly as possible. And they did.
0: He says welcoming the stranger is part of New York's DNA, and the city has the resources to meet both its legal and moral obligation.
1: We've had increase in uh, tax revenue come into the state and the city. We've had an increase of tourism. We had an increase of all the revenue streams that actually fund our city, but our elected leaders are operating under this austerity mindset. And instead of seeing this as an opportunity for the city to continue to bounce back with economic recovery,
0: the numbers, he points out, don't match the austerity budget being presented by Democratic Mayor Eric Adams.
1: They're seeing it as like a finan- a potential financial burden, which we all know is not true, especially since there's money from the federal government coming in, as well as the independent budget office here in New York, saying that the city's going to have well over $2.2 billion surplus from the current budget.
0: Wouda sees the mayor using new arrivals as a scapegoat.
1: We have no more room. But we're still finding spaces in accommodating and we're going to continue to do that. That is that is our law. That is our obligation. Uh, and that is what's morally right. But what we're not going to do is to fail to acknowledge the burden this is having on the New Yorkers and the burden this is having on our city. It is unfair. He's been using incredibly dangerous and divisive language in regards to asylum seekers and the impact that they are going to have on the city or that they have had on the city. We don't have a migrant crisis here, and I want to keep saying that. What we do have is a housing and a shelter crisis. Why is someone having to stay in an emergency shelter for two or three years before they're afforded support into getting into permanent housing? That is a huge barrier to people getting housed and we need to move forward on removing the barriers of getting people out of shelter and into permanent housing as quickly as we can. So we we want our elected leaders to be responsible, to lead with integrity and to lead with compassion. We've been dealing with the increase in asylum seekers coming here for quite some time and we're still having the same conversations. We've already outlined um, a number of comprehensive solutions at the city level, the state level and the federal level New York City has always been a beacon for immigrants, and it will continue to be a beacon for immigrants, regardless of who is our mayor at the time.
0: Murad Awada has served as the executive director for the New York Immigration Coalition for over a decade. Links to the organization and their policy proposals can be found in this week's show notes at interfaithradio.org. Coming up from New York, we head to El Paso. What's it like to work with migrants directly and to accompany them on their journey? We hear from a young woman who's made that her priority. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Stay with us.